How many of you believe that God's at work right now? Amen. That He's still on the throne. That it's not all doom and gloom. And that He still answers prayers. He still answers prayers. We had a, a super exciting week. Uh, I've seen God move in so many ways. So I'll, I'll share. So I won't hold you in suspense. Some of you know, but I'll, I'll share for those of you that don't. But so um, there's, an, there's an initiative right now from, and it's a nationwide thing in our country, right? From TK all the way up. And uh, this is obviously going on where our son attends public school. And so my wife caught wind of, they have uh, the theme of the month, right? And they, they spotlight different people that they believe are, are leaders in the community and they acknowledge them and they read a book and they do a whole thing, thinking maps. It's a long drawn out thing and it gets really in depth. And so uh, this month's word is authenticity and they chose to spotlight Harvey Milk. I'm not sure if you're, some of you are familiar with who he is, but he had a lot to do with uh, getting the, the, the gay flag, uh, you know, where it is today. And the things that he stood for was about, you know, equal rights for people that uh, practice homosexual uh, relations. And so we weren't cool with that. <laughs> You know, we weren't cool with that. And, and, and praise God, they're not here today. They're, they're, um, they're on a vacation. But, um, but uh, Keith and Cindy, Cindy had sent my, my wife some information uh, last Sunday afternoon. And uh, it's actually called Informed Parents Silicon Valley. And basically what it is is an organization set up that they, they provide you the information needed if you want to opt your child out of any kind of teaching in public school that you are not in agreement with. And by California state law, you as a guardian or a parent of your child have the legal right to say, I do not wish my child to be taught in these areas when it comes to sexuality and things of that nature. So um, it was cool because we were talking about it. We're like, what are we going to do? And then all of a sudden it was answer prayer. I remember after service, you know, Daniel prayed for me. And, and by like 3.30 in the afternoon, 4 o'clock, we got that email um, I filled out the email, did my little, you know, digital signature. And by Monday morning before noon, I already had uh, the, the email letter to me, a copy that was sent to the superintendent of Kalos' school district and the principal. Um, but we had pulled him out of school Monday because I didn't know, are they already teaching this? And so my wife went down there and pulled him out of school and she talked to the vice principal. And uh, again, this is the disclaimer, right? So we're, we're true Bible-believing Christians. We, we totally oppose a man and a man having uh, any kind of relations that are not brotherly. But we don't smash on those people. We don't hate them. We don't run around. We're not trying to physically uh, have an altercation with them. We're not yelling violent uh, slurs towards them. If anything, we pray that they would be reconciled and that they would come to know the truth of the Bible and understand that it's not about their love for another man. It's the fact that God did not create man and man to have relations. All you have to do is go back to the book of Deuteronomy and it talks about uh, you should not sleep. If you're a daughter, don't sleep with your father. If you're a son, don't sleep with your mother. If you're a sibling, don't sleep with your brother or your sister. Don't have homosexual relations. Don't have sex with animals. 
Okay, so I'm pointing that out there just to let it be known that the reality is we either accept the whole Bible in its entirety or we don't accept it at all. You cannot pick and choose. It's not a smorgasbord. You can't say, well, I believe X, Y, and Z, but yeah, when it comes to homosexuality, I, I, I just differ on that because then we exalt our opinion over God's authority and God's judgment. So anyways, going back to what happened. So my wife confronted the vice principal in love, but stern and firm. You can be a Christian and be firm, church. Don't be the kind of Christian that it comes to error and truth. And because you don't want to offend somebody, you don't speak up and stand up for truth. The Holy Spirit will give you the ability to reign in your emotions. And you might be burning up or whatever, but you can conduct yourself in a manner that you can talk, you know. And so my wife talked to the vice principal and he kind of said, well, we're not teaching about homosexuality, X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. I'll send you the information so you can look at the whole thing. And so, okay. So that's what happened with that. And it was interesting because at the same time I was at work and, you know, we have morning meetings and I was talking to another Christian, an older gentleman. And it just so happened that the CEO, the man who writes my checks, was standing right by me and my, my coworker. Now, I, I was having a private conversation and I didn't feel intruded, but my CEO kind of came over and guess he wanted to hear what I had to say. So I ended up sharing everything with him. <laughs> told him about Romans chapter 1 and told him the origins of homosexuality. The reality is some people say, well, the people are born with a homosexual tendency. No, that's not true at all. That's, that's a bold-faced lie from hell. What they're born with is a bent towards sin, just like all of us. But you can read Romans chapter 1, and it says, when the creation worships the creation instead of the creator, they are given over to a debased mind. Meaning they no longer can function properly and they burn with urges, women with women and men with men. It's, actual, it's an actual judgment of God that homosexuality exists and it exists in a measure. We are on, uh, Keith said it uh, uh, this Thursday night at our men's prayer group. We're, we're, like, we're like a step away from it being Sodom and Gomorrah, straight up. Because our nation's embracing this and we're spreading it to all these children. You know what the Bible says? It's one thing to be a homosexual. Just like it's the same thing to be a heterosexual and be committing adultery against your wife. But it's a whole other thing to be the individual that endorses it and even revels at it and says, yes, inclusion. We love this because we want everybody to be equal and we want everybody to feel well. The sad thing was we, we ended up going and, and we met. We, we, uh, we had Kalos go late Tuesday and we wanted to give the letter personally to the principal so that she knew we meant business because I didn't know if they were going to honor it. Mind you, it's a legal issue if they don't honor it and they could lose a whole lot of money. So uh, that's that end. But we wanted to go to make a physical presence, a president presence with her. And again, the whole thing was we were prayed up about it. Our whole our whole uh, perspective was, you know, we, we want her to get saved. <laughs> we want her to at the very least consider and we're not going in to smash on her. We're not going in to curse her out. We're not going in her to tell her, you need to change your whole curriculum. You're, you're out of your mind. You know, these are things that we have, we have a personal understanding of, but there's a manner in how you conduct yourself with other people, and especially non-believers. And so we went in. And I, what I can say is, uh, Kalos's principle is genuine. She genuinely loves the kids. She genuinely wants the best for them. She's also genuinely deceived 
into believing that what she's doing is the right thing. The Bible says it is better that you have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the sea than to cause any of these little ones to stumble. And it's not necessarily talking about just children, but a Christian, someone who's trying to pursue the Lord. And you go and, and you throw a monkey wrench in, their, in God's plan because you don't want to see them saved or because you think God doesn't exist because you have a bone to pick with God because you're not right with Him. And so I'm going back to the, the, the point of God's still on the throne. The Lord had showed me the night before all this happened when we were, we were wrestling with it on Sunday night. And the Lord showed me that the victory is already ours. He said, I go before you. You already have the victory. He, he, he showed me in scripture. He showed me in Joshua chapter one, verses three and verse five. It says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I have promised Moses. I was blown away by that. He said, you already have the victory. It's, it's already yours. He showed me in verse five. No man shall be able to stand before you All the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And what I believe, church, is that's not just a a personal message for me in in, in my predicament, my family's predicament this week. That's a message for every born again believer. Do you believe that? Do you believe every place your soul or your foot treads, you have victory? That everyone is going to submit to the authority of Christ in your life. The sickness, the, the, the enemies of your soul. That no man, no woman will be able to stand before you. If you're honoring the Lord with your life, if, if that's your desire, because that's my, my, mine and my wife's desire. We're like, we want to honor you, Lord. We're not trying to smash on these people, but we, we as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. And I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, well, I can't do nothing because, uh, you know, I don't want to offend them. They talk about authentic, and this is the interesting thing. Both the principal and his teacher say, Kalos is such a good student. He's such a, he's such a leader. I told my wife, the apple won't fall too far from the tree. And I'm not speaking of me, myself and her, but because we're Bible-believing, God-fearing people, and we're raising our family that way, that's why he's that way, because God's favor is upon him. Amen. Unbeknownst to them, they don't recognize that. They don't understand that, because Kalos is a wretched sinner in and of himself. But the favor of God rests upon that young man because we're pouring into him. And so I just want to encourage you, church. Know that God is still doing works. That he's still on the throne. That it's not out of control. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I went to visit our sister Jean Scott this week. The Lord told me before I went in that house, walk by faith and not by sight. Too many of us are basing everything on what we see. If you were to look at her, you're going to be like, it's all doom and gloom. Walk by faith. Don't go by what you merely see. Because if you go by what you see, you're going to to already throw in the towel. You're going to be like, it's it's over. It's done. (laughs) Remember, it's thy will be done, not mine. Let the Lord have the glory. Let the Lord move in the circumstance and the situation. Many times you and I are not going to understand why our circumstances are the way they are. But there, it's only through the wilderness that you can get certain lessons and teachings imparted to you and certain blessings. There's certain things that God cannot impart to you and me when we're on top of the mountain and everything's all gravy and we're basking in the glory of God. 
There's certain things that must be given in the muck and the mire of life, church. I just got to share this verse because it was so encouraging. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have towards Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He will hear us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. Do you have that confident hope this morning that what you're asking for is in alignment with His will? Because if you're in alignment with His will, anything you ask, He's going to give you. But you see, that's the problem, right? That's the rub. Is that many times we're asking for things that are not in His will. It's in our will, but it's not in His. <laughs> we got we to gotta come to a place, church, where we, we begin to mature more and more and understand that the whole purpose of prayer is just to draw near to God. It's not even about physical healings. It's not even about the manifestation of material blessings. That's so secondary. That's so not even the, the thing. The thing is, Lord, I need you. I need to hear from you. I need to lay prostrate on my belly before you in my heart and in my physical body because I recognize who you are and I need you. You need to be my portion. You need to be the one that fulfills every longing desire of my heart. And until we get to that place, church, we're going to struggle and wrestle with the flesh in a way where we're just going back and forth like a ping pong, teetering. It's like one week we're up, the next week we're down. That's not the Christian life, church. It's not. It's not. We should be going from glory to glory and victory to victory. I'm not saying it's not going to be difficult times, but we shouldn't be teetering in our faith where we're just like, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Are you going to come through? What did Michelle say this morning? God is always good. He always comes through. Look at your remembrance stones. Look at the past things in your, your life that the Lord has brought you out of to this day. Has he ever failed you? I mean, I'm so juiced. You know, it, it has been so encouraging to me this week. I'm like, Lord, you are so good. I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to cast my cares upon the Lord and he's going to do his thing. Amen. Yeah. He who has an ear or she too who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit has to say to the church. We are starting Ecclesiastes chapter four this morning. We're only going through several verses. So it'll probably take me an hour and a half. I'm just playing. <laughs> it, it does take me about 50 minutes to get through a couple verses. So, But either way, uh, we're in Ecclesiastes chapter four. This morning, we'll be going through verses 1 through 3. And by the way, Daniel did an excellent job uh, last week. I needed a break. I can always rely on him. You know, he, 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 he's got that Bible knowledge, man. He, he, he comes from a, a different vein, same body, and I love it. You know, I'm, I'm grateful for, for my brother Daniel. Um, but with that, if you can, please stand um, for the reading of God's word. Once again, we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We'll be, ver be going through verses 1 through 3. Uh, this message is, is entitled Evil Under the Sun, Part 1. We'll go ahead and read our text and then we'll pray and get into our message. So it says, again, I saw the oppressions that, that are done under the sun and behold, the, the tears of the oppressed and, and, and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was power and there was no one to comfort them. And I thought the dead who were already dead 
more fortunate than the living who are still alive. Verse three, but better than both is he who has not yet been and has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. Let's go ahead and pray. Yahweh, thank you for the revelation of you in our lives. Thank you for the fact that you are on the throne and you conduct your affairs as you see fit and you uh, draw men and women to yourself. I pray for a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit right now that you would empty all of us of ourselves and fill us fresh with the Holy Spirit of God that we would be able to uh, be imparted your wisdom, your truth uh, and knowledge of the scriptures and help us to be able to rightfully divide your word. Give us the ability, give us the hunger and the desire to want to apply it to our lives. Father, we thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. It's very interesting because Wikipedia does not have a formal definition of oppression, but it does state this. It says, and, and, and I quote, no universally accepted model or terminology has yet emerged to describe oppression in its entirety. Although some scholars cite evidence of different types of oppression, such as social oppression, cultural, political, religious belief, institutional oppression, and economic oppression. That's Wikipedia. That's what they say. That's what the culture says. Do you want to know why this is? (laughs) It's because the culture apart from the revelation of Jesus Christ, will never bow their knee to admit oppression is a direct result of rebellion against God. Did you hear what I just said, church? The culture will never bow their knee to admit that oppression is a direct con- has a direct connection to rebellion against the one and true God. That's why oppression exists, because mankind has rebelled against God. When sin came into the world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve, that sin brought with it oppression. It did. Do you want to know why? Because Satan, who is the nemesis or the arch enemy of God, And don't ever put them on the same playing field. They're not level. They're not equal. God has his foot on Satan's throat. Satan is a created being. He's not God. So they're not equal. But Satan is his enemy. They're like this. Okay? It's like like Oregon and Colorado playing yesterday. Okay? (laughs) Okay? (laughs) 35 zip at the half. That's God in Colorado playing like Satan. (laughs) Not the same. Anyways, that's not a stab at Dion. I think Dion's cool. I think what he's doing with our program is good. I'm just a football guy, so that was my analogy. Satan is a liar. He's the father of lies. He came not to bring life, but to what? Seek, kill, and destroy. That's what Satan's MO is. What does oppression seek to do? Dominate and destroy its victims. That, in a nutshell, is the origins of all forms of oppression. We could just stop now and just have tacos. Because <laughs> that's it. That's, that's, that's what's going on here. You see, there will always be people in power 
and there will always be people who are weak and unable to do anything about those who are in power. Although God has everything under control in his time, because of the sinful, rebellious heart of humans, mankind suffers from the injustices at the hands of oppressors. Solomon's thoughts drift towards this despair as there has not been anyone who has been able to stand in the gap and brought compassion to people. This was Solomon's thinking at the time, that no one truly defends them. That is until we come to realize who is ultimately in full control and who will have the final last word on everything done under heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have several main points this morning, and the first one is this. Oppression has been around for centuries past, or it's been around for a long time. It's been around since the beginning of time, right? And the world will never be able to fix this problem of oppression. The culture, I'm talking about the world culture, the climate of the world, the, 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 the people that don't identify themselves as born-again believers, who don't believe Jesus Christ is real, who don't believe Jesus Christ is the only one who sits on the throne, that, 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 that Jesus Christ is the only way to be reconciled to God the Father. I'm talking about all the people groups that don't believe that. That world, that culture will never be able to fix the problem of oppression. Think about the Egyptians enslaving the Jews. <laughs> What went on there? Was there oppression? Sure enough. Enslaving them, man. <laughs> you know, slavery's gone on for a long time. It ain't been just white people enslaving black people. Do your research. All kind of people have been enslaving all kind of people. People groups enslaving their own people. That's gone on. I'm not justifying the injustice that goes on. But what I'm saying is there's nothing new under the sun. Fast forward not too long ago to cotton picking in the south. People would get paid approximately $1.50 per every 100 pounds of cotton they would pick. A good day would, would yield 300 pounds for a total of about $4.50. And I get it that money was different back then. But you see, <laughs> that's not cool. <laughs> Man, I'm working hard, bro. I'm picking a gang of cotton. <laughs> you giving me that little bit of money? Oppression's been around for a long time, church. You see... To this day, over and over again, where humanity is helpless at being able to do something about the oppression that bombards life, the only answer is Christ. The only answer is Jesus. Just, just, just look at all the things that you see in the news. Human trafficking. Fugitives running wild. Innocent people being taken captive. Living under opp oppressive nations where freedom of rights is met with death. You see, you see we, we still live in a, in, a, in, a, in a country where, I mean, you could wear a shirt like this, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be concerned too much about getting shot dead. You know? But you, you go overseas, you go to the Middle East, and you go over there and, and wear a shirt that says God first, or says Jesus is my Messiah, or whatever, and, and they're going to throw you in jail. And, um, you know, you go to the wrong place and they're going to probably try to kill you. <laughs> you know, this stuff goes on. This stuff is serious. You know, we live in the Disneyland bubble over here. You know, we're fixated on, you know, fantasy draft and all these other things. And, I, and I'm not saying those things are bad things. It's, it is what it is. It's entertainment. I, I tell you guys this every week. Just don't get wrapped up in it. Don't just get lost in it. 
to where you don't have no sense of reality anymore because you're so stuck on YouTube and, and social whatever and how many followers you got because people are dying and going to hell every day. While we're over here talking about we got it hard. <laughs> yeah, I get it. We, everybody has it hard to some degree, but we need an eternal perspective to understand what's really going on. The situation in crisis is as real today just was as it was in the past with the Jews and the Egyptians, with slavery in the South. It's, it's, it's the same today. The best the world system can do is to put a Band-Aid on an open wound hoping this will stop the bleeding. But as the Bible points out time and time again, human efforts are of no avail apart from the infusion of life and the power of the Lord God Almighty. Romans chapter 9 verse 16 tells us, So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Not on human will and exertion. That's the culture. If I just will it, I'm going to band all these people together and we're going to march and we're going to do this and that. Put your effort in something else. Get on your knees and pray, man. All that marching, what is that doing? Get on your knees and pray. Go before the Lord and see what he'll do. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you at the proper time. Amen. Trying to avenge it with, with, with fired up emotion and anger and rage. That's not solving the problem. That's making it worse. We're fighting an invisible enemy who is Satan. It's not the other person across the street from you. It's not the other person who wears a turban on their head or has a different skin complexion than you or has a, speaks a different language. That's not the enemy. He uses people like puppets who are not stable and are not saved, and then they get used as a cadaver, but they are not the problem. It's a spiritual warfare, church. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual principalities in heavenly places. You and I have to continue to learn to tear down strongholds of thinking. It's our thinking. It's our thinking. If our thinking is stinking, our life will be the same. You have to reprogram yourself into think and submit yourself to the authority of the word of God. That's why reading the word is so important. That this is your sword. I get so frustrated when I see Christians and they're just they're wallowing. Why are you wallowing, man? You have the victory. You should be burning with passion, going hard. What are we doing? This is not a pep talk. I am dead serious because the word of God says you and I are victors. We need to look like it and act like it and walk like it and talk like it. Not in here, out there where it counts. This is not the mission field, church. This is like a huddle in football. This is where you get the game plan, get out on that game field, and execute. This is serious business. In context of the verse I just read, it was God alone who raised Pharaoh to prominence so that God's power would be manifested to the whole world. God put Pharaoh in that position so he could display how great he is 
far greater than Pharaoh. Like Daniel alluded to last week with Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> it wasn't Nebuchadnezzar. God allowed him to get to that place. And then when he didn't humble himself, he had him running around like a wild animal to humble himself. But I, the one thing I like about that story is that, you know, I don't know if it necessarily uh, specifies it in great detail, but I believe Nebuchadnezzar got saved. <laughs> he got saved and he possibly could be in heaven. You know, because he, he, he understood, he recognized his folly. He recognized who the creator is. And he gave all glory to God, not himself. Too many times we run around and we think it's our wit. It's our might. It's our, our strength. It's our money. It's, our, it's what we do. No. My, my son hit a home run yesterday. He hit a beautiful ball. I mean, that ball, he hit, he hit that ball farther than any, any other kid on that field. And uh, he said, I hit a home run. I hit my first home run. I said, yes, son, you better give all the honor and glory to God. Because you might have physically been used to hit that ball, but it's God who made your body. It's God who gave you the genes you had. It's God who allowed that bat, that bat to hit that ball, that trajectory where that ball went flying. So don't get prideful. Not that he was, but I just put that, I just put it out there. Remain humble, son. Remain humble. Give honor and glory to God in all things and watch him exalt you even more. But you start getting puffed up and thinking you're, you're about it. <laughs> Again, I'll use that. And now, I mean, I know that the teams weren't the same, but, you know, look at Colorado, man. They got whooped on pretty hard. If that ain't a humbling experience in, 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 in an athletic game, I don't know what is. The world can seek out ethics and means to try to rehabilitate people. And that's what they do. Oh, yeah, go to, this, go to this person and talk to them about your problems. I mean, I'm not smashing on people. But, but going to somebody who, who, who just has book smart education and is going to tell you, get on, get on this drug to fix your problems, that ain't going to cut it. It's a spiritual problem, man. You need, to be, you need to be prayed through this thing. You need to have some real Bible-believing Christians lay hands on you to, to, to break down the forces of evil that are keeping your mind messed up. I get it. Some people, whatever, schizophrenia, whatever. You know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's a spiritual thing. And they've been opened up for whatever reason. And, and so they, they got all kind of crazy stuff running through their minds. But, but God supersedes that. But back to my, my point, the world may try and rehabilitate people, but the reality is if Christ is not at the center of a person's heart, they will never be truly be changed into a new creation. I don't care what anybody says. Can't nobody tell me anything different. They can't. How are you a new creation if Christ hasn't changed you from the inside out? Just because you've changed exterior thing, external things doesn't mean the inside has been changed. That's the reason why some people won't give glory to God. Because once again, they haven't dealt with the fact that they need forgiveness of sin. They haven't dealt with the reality of sin in their lives. They don't even think they are sinners. But at the end of the day, the reality is all men and women are sinners. And the only thing awaits a sinner is judgment and death. Aren't you so thankful? That's why I jump up and down about Jesus. 
because I was headed for hell and he saved my soul from damnation. And now I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a child of the living God and I don't have any shame in my life anymore. I can serve him and walk in obedience because what he has done for me. If that don't get you up, church, you're not going to get up. Please don't get up for me. Don't get up for this church. Get up because Jesus Christ has saved your soul. Man, that's, it never gets old. That's the first main point. Second main point is this. Apart from Jesus Christ, if people are honestly seeking answers for truth, they will come to realize it will have been better not to have lived than to suffer the injustice of this life. Again, I'm saying from the standpoint of apart from Christ, if you're not saved, if, you're, if your idea of life is, this is your best life now, I bet I might as well get all I can. Or I'm an atheist. I don't believe God exists. I, I think I came from monkeys. I think I came from some pond spawned millions of years ago. And I'm just here by happenstance and there's no real relevancy to my life. Then you're going to think that it's better to just never have been born than to live and see all of this. To see all of this destruction and anarchy and chaos going on in the world. Because of Solomon's state of thinking, he says we're better off dead. His point is, that's where the real justice will be found, not on this earth. In an under-the-sun world and mentality, this is all that he could think of as an answer. This is all he could come up with. Remember, not, 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 not a world under heaven, but a world under the sun. A world lived in the flesh alone with no spiritual ties to a creator. If all of life is filled with people who uh, they gain power oppressing others with it, then isn't life nothing but futility? Man, I just, I rape and pillage and take and I've got all, I've amassed all this at the, at the, at the, oh, on the backs of all these people. And that's all life is. Well, yeah, it, it would seem pointless. Doesn't that prove that all is vanity? This, this, is, the, this is the standpoint that Solomon is speaking to us from. Solomon says in verse 2 that he congratulated the dead who were already dead. <laughs> the dead are congratulated more than the living. Because at least they don't have to experience all of this stuff that you've got to go through living this life. They have escaped the tears that come from oppression. Because the dead are freed from this systematic oppression of those who lack power. They have escaped the futility of vanity. But better off than both of these are the one who has never existed. The dead have been freed from earthly oppression, but the one who has never been born has never known it at all and known that it even exists. The living are worse off because they must deal with this reality every day. In Solomon's mind, from this perspective, that's you and me. We're all alive here in this room, right? <laughs> we're still alive in the flesh, so me and you, we're going through it. <laughs> we're seeing it. We're seeing the news headlines. We're seeing what goes on in the schools. We're seeing what goes on in the culture and overseas. And it's, a, it's enough to make a person very depressed. But even more universal is the one who has never been born again and does not have to contend with the frustration of the feeling, feelings of impotence in the face of injustice. They have never seen the evil activity done under the sun. But this is the kicker. Apart from the revelation of Jesus Christ, with a darkened heart and mind, mankind is destined to struggle with evil activity. 
That's why you see what's going on in the world. Because those that are, 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 are broadcasting and promoting such things, they don't have Christ. A Christian is going to deal and far, uh, fare far better with the evils of the world than a non-believer. A non-believer is just, they just, they brush it away. That's why, that's why some people go on so many vacations, man. They're like, I'm out of here. I'm going here. I'm going there. I'm going to go spend money on this. Or I'm going to go have another wife and have another husband and do this X, Y, and Z. Because they're trying to numb the reality of what they don't want to deal with. It's so much easier when you're distracted. But what are you going to do when you got to look death in the face? Just you, <laughs> not nobody else, not the people that oppressed anybody, not all the injustice. I'm just you and the Lord and death. What are you going to do then? <laughs> you see, if you are prepared, you will be so much more confident. And what I mean by that is if you are prepared, if you've humbled yourself before the mighty hand of God, if you have said in your heart of hearts to the Lord, I am a sinner. I understand. I believe that I'm a sinner. I am not. I have not created my own life and I can't save myself. I need you. God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Save me. If you if you've really done that. Wherever you've done, don't matter the location, but I'm talking about in your heart of hearts, you've done business with God. If you've had that supernatural encounter, <laughs> right? Then you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about water. I'm talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I can't explain it. It's a supernatural thing that occurs. Only you and God know that it has happened. If you've had that encounter, then you are prepared and you are going to walk in confidence. If you haven't had that encounter, you're going to be like all these people that are running to and fro trying to do everything they can to numb the reality of death that's coming. Yeah, we all want to get raptured, but that may not happen for all of us. I mean, I may take my last breath tonight in my bed. Lord willing, I don't. But I don't play games with thinking I'm going to live till I'm 85 years old. I don't know, man. I've already lived half my life. I'm already going, I'm already going to be 45 next month. <laughs> One day at a time. One day at a time. You live one day at a time faithful to the Lord. You're going to have a life, a long life, however long you've lived, that's going to be a life that's been faithful to the Lord. You can't wait till one day when things, oh, this is one day I'm going to do it. No, you're not. If you ain't about it right now in this moment, you're never going to be ready. That's a lie from the pit of hell to think, oh, once I do X, Y, and Z, I'll be ready. No, you're not. You better do business with the Lord right now. And then you're ready. And you keep going one foot after another from one experience to the next. Because we got a gang of things that are still going to pop off today. Unless one of us drops out dead right now, we still got life to live. So you just go one foot after another. That's how it is, right? But we got to have that eternal perspective, church. Man, I ain't even going to get through my points, man. <sighs> all right, the third main point is this. Jesus Christ is the only one who can end all oppression in the earth. That's it. He's the only one who can end it. <laughs> you, you, I mean, gosh, 
gosh, I don't want to be smashing on people. I'm just saying Christ is the only way. This is our only hope that Jesus will sustain and draw near to his people through these times. But what we must hold on to is that he does have the final word when all is said and done. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14 says, God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Our trust must be in him alone. We must draw near to God and he will draw near to us, the author and perfecter of our faith. While human efforts are made each day to try and overthrow oppression of the poor and the weak, only the regenerating work of Jesus Christ can truly ever fix this problem. All right, let's look at these verses. I only have three to get through, so. All right, one. Again, I I saw the uh, uh, oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On the other side of their oppressors was, there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. Okay, so he's basically saying, man, there's just all kind of oppression going on in this world, man. It's just everywhere I look, it's just, it's just bad things happen, not right things happening to people. Why is this person getting did dirty? Why is this person doing all kind of evil and it seems like they're winning? <laughs> he had a glimmer of hope <laughs> at the end of chapter 3, right? But he continues on with this thought and then he considers all the oppression that is done under the sun. Many people have said this and probably even more people have thought this, right? If God is so good, why do all these bad things happen? If God is such a good God, why did that little baby get raped? Why did that person do this? Why did this person do that? If God's so good, and if you haven't said it, you probably thought it at some point in your life. God, you're so good. Why is there so much pain and suffering? The answer is this. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's why. Because he loves his creation so much that he doesn't want to see his creation all go to hell. And I'll get into sin in a little bit in this message because that's a big part of it and how sin has become watered down in, in unfortunately, some churches. The reality of what sin is, and it's not something to play with. It's like a child messing with a hot stove. Don't go by that burner. You're going to burn your hand. It ain't something you flirt with. It ain't something you mess with. You see, oh, well, let's see how much I, I, I could tote the line and try to get away with because I'm really, I'm really not getting messed up like, the, you know, like my parents said or the pastor said because I'm, I'm good still. You, you think you're good. You think you're okay, but it's all going to come crashing down. The Bible says, be sure your sin, my sin will find me out. The minute you think you're okay and you're sinning, you're already headed for a downfall. And it's going to be horrible when it happens. But the Lord is going to use that to try to get your attention so you can snap out of it and come back to him and not want to sin in the first place. That's why he gives you a new spirit. That's why he gives you a new heart. So you don't have a heart. You have a heart that says, I don't want to do those things. I don't want that. I'm going to steer clear of that because it's, 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 it's end is trying to destroy me. Well, God's end is trying to make me whole and complete. 
and give me joy and peace and love and happiness and all the things I really want that are eternal, that are, that are, tr- that are not seen. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a nice new house. Nothing wrong with a nice new car. But that ain't going to give you the happiness and the joy that you really need. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what's going to give you that peace. That when you're old and gray, you're still going to be vibrant and young in your soul because you know you're His and He is yours. We see many examples of compassion for the oppressed in the Old Testament. The Lord takes the mistreatment of the poor very seriously. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through some of these, so bear with me. And uh, there might be a slide up there if you're into taking notes so you can find out. You can uh, find out the address of where these verses are. First is uh, oppression of people by a king. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 16 says, A ruler who lacks understanding is a cruel oppressor, but he who hates unjust gain will prolong his days. If you hate unjust gain, your days are going to be prolonged. (laughs) If you're living for righteousness, your days are going to be long. God don't like someone who's a cruel oppressor. Um, oppression of a servant by his master. Deuteronomy chapter 24 verse 14 says, You shall not oppress a hired worker who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your brothers or one of the sojourners who are in your land within your towns. He wants you to treat your neighbor as yourself. Next is the oppression of the poor by the affluent. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 16 says, Whoever press, oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth or gives to the rich will only come to poverty. Again, it's that deception of thinking, I'm amassing this, I'm amassing this, I'm amassing this, it's all going to come to nothing one day. I don't care if you live 30, 40 years with it. That's cool, but see, 30, 40 years is, a, is not even a drop in a bucket compared to eternity. So don't be deceived in thinking, I got ill gain, I'm good. Because it ain't happened to me yet. It ain't happened to me yet. Okay, well, just wait. It will. God has the final word. Oppression of the poor by the bureaucratic. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 8 says, If you see in a providence the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and the righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. Our public officials, the mayor of Milpitas, she's put in position by the Lord. He allowed it to happen. The people that are over her, Gavin Newsom, who's the, the governor of our state, God allowed him to be in, in a position of authority. He has to answer to a higher power. The president, President Joe Biden, he has to answer to a higher power. It's not him. If anything, there's more on their heads. Just like in this church, there's more on me. I'm going to be judged with a stricter judgment because I'm supposed to know better because I'm the teaching pastor. I didn't put myself here. God put me in this position. So anybody who's in you as grandparents and parents and aunts and uncles, you're going to be judged the same way because you have influence in people's lives under you. None of us escape this. I'm sorry if this is not the message you came to hear today, but I'm going to teach it as the Lord has shown me. Preach it, brother. Amen. <laughs> Oppression of the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. Zechariah chapter 7, verse 10 says, Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you dis- devise evil against another in your heart. I mean, that speaks so, that speaks so real to me. <laughs> he, he, he straight up said, Don't even devise evil against anybody in your heart. What did Jesus say? You don't have to get up a knife and stab somebody. 
if you're already thinking, man, I wish that person would go to, bro, you've already, you've already committed. You've already committed. You've already had a murderous thought in your heart. You just haven't physically acted it out. So it's saying don't even allow that. that. Again, we go back to tearing down strongholds of thinking in our minds. We have to become so in tune with the Holy Spirit, church, that you are actually hypersensitive spiritually to every thought that passes through your mind. Those are the fiery darts that Satan is throwing left and right every day. And if you can't recognize a demonic thought that's trying to come in, because that's the realm where we fight the spiritual battle, it's in the mind, then you're going to be bombarded with all kinds of stuff and you're not going to be able to get out. That's why, again, I say every day you've got to feast on the word of God. If his word is the bread of life and his word is the eternal water, the everlasting water that's going to bubble up within you, why would you not feast and drink? Man, I'm eating like a lion. That's how you got to think. I'm so serious about this. You got to have that kind of mentality like you're going so hard in the word because that's your lifeline. And I guarantee you, you will see victory in your life. You will see these strongholds broken. You don't know how many times I'm having to cast down a, a demonic thought in my mind throughout the day. You'd be like, you shouldn't be the pastor. No, that, this is how real it is. <laughs> you know, that's how real it is. And I'm just like, man, verse after verse after verse and it'll go away. And then Satan try to come back or some demon try to come back. But, but this, this is real, church. This is real stuff. This is, this is, not, this is what the scripture says. Okay, oppression charged by high interest. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 12 says, In you they take bribes to shed blood. You take interest and profit and make gain of your neighbors by extortion. But me, you have forgotten, declares the Lord God. So he's not cool with that. Don't cheat. <laughs> don't, do no, don't do nobody dirty trying to get paid. Work in honest days. Work and you'll get paid what you need. I'm so far past praying about money because the Lord just provides. I'm, like, I'm just seeking the kingdom of heaven and then he comes through every time. I don't even need to pray about money. I don't care about, I don't care about money, man. You know, I, I see my boy Eric. He's at work working hard all the time. It's like, just do your job, man. Just work hard. Just do, work an honest day's wage. You'll be fine. And then you'll have the peace of God. You, you don't want to deal with the guilt and the shame. Laying in bed, you got all this money, but it was, it was ill-gotten gain. It's horrible. Like when you really are real with yourself, you're like, this ain't cool. Like anything that we do that's, that's contrary to God's word. When we're really raw with ourselves, we're not cool with it. Even though on the outside we try to doll ourselves up. Like, oh, I'm good, homeboy. I'm good, dog. No, you're not, bro. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not, man. I can see through it. I can see through it. Humble yourself and you'll be lifted up. All right. Um, oppression by the use of false weights and measures. Hosea chapter 12 verse 7 says a merchant in whose hands are are false balances he loves to oppress a swindler scammer not being honest selling you selling you a bag of goods that ain't right (laughs) the bible has a lot to say about oppression it is a serious problem that has plagued the human race from the beginning the bible also gives us a clear warning to the rich who choose to take advantage of the poor james chapter 5 verses 1 through 6 reads this Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, your garments are moth-eaten. 
Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers has mowed, who, who mowed your fields, which you, which you have kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fatted your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. That is strong language. That is strong language of how God hates those who oppress those who are less fortunate. We are supposed to lift one another up and be a blessing to one another, not tear one another down, not hurt and, and, and cause pain just for our own comfort. Habakkuk chapter 2 verses 6 through 8 says, Shall not all these take up their taunt against him who with scoffing and, and riddles of him and, and say, Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own for how long? And loads himself with pledges. Will not your debtors suddenly arise and those awake who will make you tremble? Then you will be spoiled for them because you have plundered many nations. All the remnant of these people shall plunder you for the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. Also remember the account of the rich man and Lazarus, right? You remember that? I'll read it. I don't care. Read it. Luke chapter 16, verse 19 through 31. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted scrumptiously every day. So he was getting it in scrumptiously. <laughs> and at his gate, he was laid up a poor man named Lazarus who covered with sores, who desired to be fed with, which, uh, with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in, in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember, that in your lifetime, you received your good things and Lazarus in the like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, are, our great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to, to send him to my father's house. I have five brothers so that... He may warn them lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham. But if someone goes to tell them from the dead, they will repent. He said to, to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convicted if someone should rise from the dead. What did Christ do? <laughs> he rose from the dead. How many people are, are in denial of who Christ is? Many. The scripture doesn't lie. <laughs> the tears of the oppressed, 
They have no comforter. This is the next statement we see in this verse. Solomon thought of the painful and tear-filled lives of the oppressed in a life without Christ, where this world and its trappings are all there is, men and women give no account for their lives to come. They don't even think about it. They don't even consider it. We talked about this a minute ago. All they're concerned about is the here and now. They don't have an eternal perspective. They're so right here, right now, and they don't recognize what's really going on. There is judgment for every deed done under heaven. Likewise, God hears the cries of the poor, and he will avenge the wrong done to them. Psalm chapter 10, verses 17 and 18 say, O Lord, you heard the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. You see, God is going to avenge everything, but it's in his time. For you and I, we just need to hold on. And this is where, again, I just felt the Lord really put on my heart the importance of, 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 of repentance and sin. This is the application, okay? Repentance, church, is the answer to what's wrong here. Repentance, okay? When you look at the big picture, the oppressors and the oppressed both need to repent. Many have never been taught the gravity of sin, being made fully aware of how evil sin actually is. We must understand, church, that sin has broken fellowship with us and God in the sense of humanity. Adam and Eve, everyone comes from the line of Adam and Eve, and we all inherit that sin nature. As beautiful as that baby is, unless they, unless they die before the age of accountability and go to heaven, that, that, that baby is a born sinner, <laughs> okay? And, and that baby's whole, whole, whole point of life is to get out of hell, to, 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 to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior so that they can be reconciled, mean brought back into a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. This is how, this is how bad sin is, it, 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 is that... It, 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 took, it, took, it took Christ, it took God's only son to come and die and be raised again from death to take the debt that we owed. Because of sin, we could never repay it. He had to come out of space and time and put on human flesh and live a perfect life and, and shed his blood so that we can be forgiven. The thing is, if you don't believe Jesus is real, who, who, who's going to bat for you when you die? Who's going to stand in the gap for you when God says you must give an account of everything, of idle, every idle word that came out your mouth, of every sin you've ever committed, you are in judgment of. But if you're saved, it's been washed away, it's been wiped clean, past, present, and future. I'm going to sin tomorrow. And I'm not boasting about that. I'm just saying, because I'm a, right, I'm a human being. I'm going to sin some kind of way tomorrow, and it is guaranteed forgiveness. Because the blood of Jesus Christ has covered all my sins. They're washed away. So when I go to, go to be with the Father, He's not going to condemn me. He's not, his wrath is not going to come upon me, because He sees Christ. This is the importance of us understanding why repentance is a key component to the Christian life. Repentance is not something we should do once a month. It's not even something we should do once a week. 
This is something that you and I daily should be partaking in. Remember Isaiah. You guys remember Isaiah the prophet? He was considered one of the most righteous men of his generation. If you looked at him, you'd be like, it's like somebody like Billy Graham. Oh, man, Billy Graham did so much. This and blah, 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 blah for the Lord. And he was faithful. And, and the man never met with a woman alone. He would go to Modesto. I heard the stories. He'd always have another brother with him because he's like, man, I ain't about to be. I don't even, I don't even want the aroma of, of, of something foul going down around me. Right? But just like Billy Graham, just like Isaiah, when Isaiah came into the presence of God, he fell on his face. He didn't have anything to say to God. He didn't didn't have any opinion to give. He said, woe is me. Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell amongst people of unclean lips. You see, Isaiah got it. He understood how holy and righteous God really is. And he wasn't about to act pompous and think he had it all together. That's humility, church. That's humility, humbling ourselves, understanding that we don't deserve anything good. That's why I stand up here and say every breath you and I take is a miracle and it is such a blessing. Because we didn't have to live today. But the Lord saw fit to raise you up out of your bed and give you the strength in your bones and your joints to walk and do what you needed to do. Because he wants to get honor and glory from your life. This is not a doom and gloom uh, message. Please hear me out. Because if you're looking at it from that perspective, you need to change your perspective. This is how good God is and how much he loves you. Just like any parent worth their salt would never just take disrespect from their child and allow, allow their child to just go reckless because the parent loves them so much that they're saying, son, daughter, please, I beg you, listen to what I'm telling you. I'm trying to set you up so you're gonna succeed. Stop doing X, Y, and Z. You're killing yourself. That's God to us. He's like, man, son, daughter, I love you so much. Listen to what I'm trying to tell you so you can be in right relationship with me. Man, God is so good. God is so good. All right, verses two and three. (laughs) And I thought the dead who are already dead, more fortunate than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been and has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. Okay, so Solomon basically says that he praises the dead who are already dead. The thought of both oppressors and their victims finding no justice in eternity was so bitter to Solomon that he thought the dead were fortunate. I mean, it really grieved his heart. He wasn't happy about this. He, he, he really struggled with this fact that, that, man, there's just so much evil in the world. This is not okay. It grieved him to have to see this and come to this revelation. In a world without Jesus Christ, the dead do not have to think about such painful things. Solomon could only praise the dead this way because at this time he had no certain knowledge of the world to come. He actually most wrote most of Ecclesiastes with this kind of under-the-sun type of premise. If he knew and accepted what happened to the unrighteous dead, he would never say such a thing. We, the next we see this statement, the dead were already dead. It's an interesting phrase. It implies that the dead who are not yet dead are living dead. You know, we, we see the show. 
we always think the living dead, it's like, uh, ah, you know, all that. That's not, nah, man. The living dead look like me and you. They smell good. They look good. Their hair's lined up. They drive nice cars. They work decent jobs. They have nice families. They pay their taxes. <laughs> they don't steal. They don't kill people. But they're walking dead men and women. They walk this earth and have a physical body, but their spirit and soul are dead. The eyes of their heart are darkened by sin, and they have not responded to the conviction that the Lord allows to come upon every man and woman. You see, the, the Jews had the Torah. They had the Old Testament. Gentiles, which is everybody else, the word says conscience. The conscience is written in every person's heart. Innately, you and I know what's right and wrong. But after you sin for so long and don't repent, you know what happens? You start getting numb to it. And that prick that you would feel in your heart when you do something wrong, you stop feeling that prick. And then you just keep going off doing what you do. Don't ever come to a place where you lose that prick in your heart, church. Conviction is one of the greatest blessings that you could ever receive from the Lord outside of salvation in Christ. Because the Bible says that God the Father, He will discipline those He loves that are His. So if you're in a season of discipline right now, don't clench your fist to God and, and cry out in frustration. Accept it. Receive the wilderness you're in and let the Lord impart to you the giftings and the lessons that he's trying to teach you because he's taking you through the wilderness. Why? Because he's preparing you to do a great mighty work. You got to believe this. Do you think your Christian life is just this? It is not just this. Don't think that this is all there is in the Christian life is that you just come to church on Sunday and you sit and you listen to some mad yell. <laughs> I mean, there's so much more. Again, this is, just the, this is just where we get the game plan. This is the huddle, man. I'm trying to see Brock Purdy throw a 75-yard touchdown. I'm not trying to see him stand in the huddle all game long. So we get the game plan, and we get out there, and we apply it to our lives. Amen? Instead of dead men and women walking church, we want to be alive in Jesus Christ and dead to sin. The Bible has much to say about the end of the age and people becoming less and less aware of the differences between good and evil. And, and that, that, that's kind of what we're going through. That's kind of where we're at. But, but count it as a blessing because God saw fit to create you and have you alive during these times. Some people say, oh man, I wish I was born back in the 1800s. Yeah, good luck, man. I don't. <laughs> I'm not dealing with all that stuff that they went through. I, I enjoy technology. I enjoy the ease and, and comforts and blessings that we have now. I'm not dealing with all that, man. Horse and buggy, man, they work hard. Man, they work hard. I couldn't do that. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, 13 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And now persecution takes many forms. I'm not going to get into all what that details. We don't have the time. But if you are living a godly life, you will face some form of persecution. But don't get 
mad about it. Embrace it. Embrace Christ in the moment and see it fit that he is going to get honor and glory from your life as you walk faithfully through the persecution rather than being the imposter who's going to go from bad to worse. You don't want to be that person. I'd rather be broke financially than have all kind of money and go from bad to worse. I'm straight. <laughs> give me the Lord. I'm good. He'll provide. Give me, give me the manna. Give me, give me my manna and, and I'm okay. You know, I'll go by the pillar of fire and by the cloud in the day. Let's do it that way. God, you say move, I'll move. You say stay, I'll, say, I'll stay. Instead of trying to do it my own way and you just end up messed up. Solomon goes on and says, better than both is he who has never, who has never existed, who has never seen evil uh, work done under the sun. Again, he, he took this further and started to praise those who never existed. Even the dead who, who were once alive had to see the evil work that was done under the sun. Very interesting. And it is interesting as well, this next point, that Jesus himself said that there was one man for whom it would have been better if he actually had never been born. Who was that, church? Judas. Judas. Matthew chapter 26, verse 24. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had never been born. The fact that Solomon wrestled so much with the injustice of oppression in the earth reveals the moral necessity of an afterlife and a coming judgment. I mean, it's just real. There has to be judgment at some point. You can't just get away with this. You can't just, you can't just do it all and do what you want and think you're just not going to pay. At some point, you're going to pay. Jesus told us that it is those who oppress and misuse and, and misuse their power who will ultimately endure punishment, not their victims. Matthew chapter 18, verse 6 through 7 says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one from whom the temptation comes. Man. And uh, Isaiah and Michelle can come up. I'm, I'm about to wrap it up right now. The application is simply this. The answer to the oppression of people in this world is Jesus Christ. As believers remaining clinging to him, for unsaved people to respond to the conviction of sin in their hearts and receive the free gift of salvation that Jesus supplies. In every problem you will ever face, you need to know this. Romans 8.31 says, what then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? You see, we must apply Jesus Christ to every situation and circumstance we will ever face. An example of this is viewing life from an eternal perspective, not just from what's right in front of you. You think of someone who's watching a parade, the, the Thanksgiving Day Macy's Parade, whatever. Actually, we didn't even watch it last year because they had stuff on there we didn't agree with. But anyways... On ground level, if you're there in the crowd, you're just seeing it as one float comes after another, right? Just right in front of you. That's it. Maybe a couple down, but you can't see that far. But what if you were standing on one of those 20-story buildings at the very top? You're viewing it from the vantage point of, of you're seeing the whole thing. You're seeing the end and the beginning. We need to have that kind of eternal perspective. Too many of us are just walking like this, and all we can see is this. But we're not looking deeper into things 
and seeing there is something greater. The Apostle Paul understood this very well, and I'll end with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. For this light momentarily, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You see, keep your eyes fixed on Christ. And no matter what you go through in life, you'll be well enough in Him to walk through it. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank You for this timely reminder of what it really looks like to walk with You. Lord, You're not happy with the oppressed. Sometimes You're not happy with those being oppressed. You want all of us to repent and come to understand that we need You. You are the solution. You are the source. You are the answer. You are the one that holds all things in your hands. So may our lives be drawn to you in such a way that we find our joy in you and you alone. That way we can have right relationships with everyone else and everything else will work in order the way it was meant to be. Father, we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your revelation. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.